Warning, the following podcast contains spoilers for The Day of the Dead, 1985 and 2019. It also contains spoilers for Ghosts of Mars, Critters, Back to the Future, Avengers Endgame, Analyze That, Austin Powers, and probably some Boy Meets World fan fiction. Welcome to the Dis Dump Podcast, the show where we watch movies, listen to music, or play games in an effort to decide if we're going to keep the discs or if we will dump them. As always, I am your host, Miles Trout, and today I am joined by two very funny dudes, lifelong best friends, bandmates, and the co-hosts of the show, The Kickstart with Matt and Matt. It's a podcast. Uh, welcome, Matt and Matt. How you guys doing? Hey, well, hey, thank you, man. Doing good. Greetings and salutations. Yeah, all is well. Fantastic. So today we're going to be talking about Day of the Dead, 1985. But first, a brief history. Day of the Dead, 1985, is George A. Romero's attempt at a masterpiece. He wanted to call it the zombie form of Gone with the Wind. This movie is the lowest budget movie that he ever made, and it was not a huge success, but I think time will tell. That this movie has held up over the years. So, uh, your last name, Matt, is Gervasi, right? You got it. And uh, other Matt, you are Suter. You've got it. Awesome. So, uh, I've known Matt Suter for a hot minute, a couple years now. But I think this is the first time Matt Gervasi and I are talking. So, I've prepared a couple of really nice, easy, getting-to-know-you questions. Oh, icebreaker time. Icebreaker I'm, I'm time. like Titanic, baby. I'll just break <laughs> right through it. All right. <laughs> So we'll do just a real quick back and forth. Um, do you like sushi? Yes. Fantastic. Uh, uh, I had them in a funnier order, order but I'm not going to do all of these. Uh, obviously, do you play any instruments? Oh, yeah. I'm joined by several That's instruments debatable. right here. Huh? Hey, debatable. don't you? How dare you? <laughs> I'm the reason that the music stays together. I'm the bass player, goddammit. <laughs> I'm the unsung hero of this band. <laughs> I sing. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing as I can't sing. Matt has to sing. If you can't sing my praises, Matt, I don't know who's going yeah. to. <laughs> I'm all off key yeah. and shit. Uh, okay, next question. Rough estimate. How many movies are in your Netflix queue? In my Netflix queue, um, I don't really go through my Netflix to watch movies. To oh, be, okay. I have like a whole, I just have like a big collection of like my my favorite movies. Mostly, I go on Netflix for um, series and you know whatever strikes my fancy at the time. But I have like so I guess zero is the answer to that question. Okay, <laughs> zero. <laughs> That's a good answer though. Um, next question: Have you ever killed a man? Uh, this is getting recorded, right? Yep. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, how many grains of flour do you think you could hold in your hand at once? How many grains of flour? Yep. Oof. Um, that's like, uh, how would I even calculate that? Let's Come say on, let's... you graduated, you went to your college. Yeah, that's the kind of education we're working with here, okay? <laughs> that's right. Not a strong one. That's it. 
That's it. Represent. <laughs> like I use I use government math because that's the only kind of math that I'm supposed to do. And if government math is, means that I can hold less than the amount that's available in the population, uh, but more than the amount that the average person could probably hold. I'll put it right. to like that. That's actually a really good answer too. <laughs> um, last question. On a scale from one to two, one being dry, two being wet, how wet is your underwear? Uh, I guess I have to go with two. I've got a quarter on that one. Caught you with your pants per se. Through a line of questioning. I feel like I've been interrogated. <laughs> well, yeah, originally I was going to ask that you also come up with some questions, but it's, it's all good. I wrote this months ago when we first were planning this. Um, My so, life is is full of questions, so don't worry. I'll, I'm sure I'll have some for you as, <laughs> as we progress. Perfect. So you guys. That's are... what's gonna go on my gravestone. Just a question mark. <laughs> who? What, who? Who's this? Who knows? This motherfucker. Who you're looking for? It might not be. We're not sure. Look, pay your respects anyways, because he's dead. All right. We think. <laughs> Play a kindness to the poor soul. Um, okay, so now that we've gotten to know you. <laughs> You guys are like horror movie fanatics, right? Like hardcore. Oh hell yeah! That's yeah. Right. We've seen a few. Yeah. So you guys are like often talking about like MonsterCon. Is that the one you guys go to? Oh, well, as I... it's been dubbed. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually Monster Mania, but uh, Keith David called it MonsterCon because he didn't know where he was because he doesn't really care in his own world all the time. Uh, if, uh, for those of you not aware of this, Keith David is always in his own universe, essentially. it's a, He has another dimension. Uh, it is parallel and perfectly uh, perpendicular sometimes to our perception of reality. But uh, the geometry in there, it's important. But uh, yeah, Keith David uh, called Monster Mania MonsterCon. And so from that point forward, we've been slowly trying to work with the uh, creators of Monster Mania to change it to Monster Con because that's really all we need is Keith David's endorsement. So you know, we're just working with that. Rather than correct him, we want to change everything else around our world to make him right. You can tell me what time it is, Keith David. That's, you know, speaking of which, what I, the sun says. I don't know if you can tell, but there is a blanket of Keith David in the, my background right here. I can see it. Oh my uh, gosh. It's probably blurry, but it's Keith David. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's how much I love him. <laughs> so if the audience doesn't know who Keith David is, how would you describe him? <laughs> oh my God. Uh, he is the most, well, okay, as a person or as maybe the public would know him. Because as a person, he is like the most chill, nicest dude. Like he, like Matt said, he's in his own little world. Like he's singing songs. He just has a, a song in his heart at all times. And a, and a lightness to his step, and he will he will cheer you up. If your grandma just died, and she died from an explosion that killed the rest of your family, he would still cheer you up. <laughs> <laughs> but I say, as an actor, you probably would know him uh, from, most recently, I guess, Rick and Morty. That's the most prominent thing. He's a voice actor for that. For Gargoyles, the TV series, he does Spawn's voice in uh, the Mortal Kombat game that's, uh, that's out right now. Uh, but also, he's been in a bunch of John Carpenter movies. The Thing, They Live, um, Platoon. He was in. Yep, Pitch Black. That's right. Mm -hmm. He was also in Saints Row, either three or four. He played the president 
Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Pretty exciting. And the whole thing was, there was he's Keith David. He's the president because he's Keith David. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm voting for him. If you put him up on the ballot, he's in. <laughs> I mean, I wonder what his politics would be like. Anyway. He's very he's very religious, actually. I don't know. I'm sure he's very liberal as well because he just strikes me as that kind of person. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, but I don't know. I don't want to assume for him. That's right. Yeah. Who could say? Who could say only Keith David, really? <laughs> I don't even know if he's aware that there are politics. <laughs> <laughs> there's no politics in his dimension, no. Oh, man. Yeah. I keep wanting to make like gargoyle jokes, but I feel like they're too deep cut and everyone would just like raise their eyebrow and be like, what is he talking about? Anyway. Hey, look, nobody's got an excuse. That's on Disney plus now. Is it? Gonna say, that is. Yeah. That go, is, yep. um, uh, of that, of that Disney plus subscription is getting to watch gargoyles again. Gargoyles. I've realized that the guy who voiced Patrick and SpongeBob, he is also the voice of one of the gargoyles. Oh, is he? Which one is he? Oh. He's the uh, the one who's always eating all the time. <laughs> the larger fellow. Uh, yes. Yeah. Huh. Wow. I remember when I was a kid, it would come on at 10 p.m. and 10.30 in reruns. And it was every yep. single night without fail. And I, have, I watched it like the whole way through at least twice. I was so balls deep in gargoyles. And uh, oh, yeah. man, I love that. The, the one with the, the sword, Hudson, he has like that long knife. Alrighty. Anywho, um, so we're talking about Day of the Dead. Uh, when you guys think of this movie, what is the scene you guys think of? Ooh, um, the scene that I always think of is the one where <laughs> the one where the where Rhodes at the end is getting ripped apart. It is so fucking sick. <laughs> <laughs> it's so iconic. Like you can't get that image out of your head. And it's been mocked or not mocked, but mimicked by every other zombie you know, incarnation, movies, TV shows. Well, I know I've seen that happen like three times on The Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. There's definitely like clear homages from The Walking Dead on – let me rephrase that. They pay homage? Whatever. You get what I'm trying to say. The Walking Dead people really like this movie. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I learned today that Greg Nicotero was in Day of the Dead, and I didn't realize that. He's like a – I think he's one of the soldier guys, isn't he? Greg Nicotero. Uh, I think he, yeah, I think he might be. I was looking at the cast list and I was like, he's in it. He plays Johnson. Yeah. Oh, Johnson. Johnson. Uh, oh of yeah, he does. he's the guy that like got shot and then he was like, "Don't let him turn me into a zombie." And uh, Steve. Oh Harvey yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's him. Pretty cool. Uh, Suter, yeah. what's, what do you think of when you think of this movie? Well, I think of White House press conferences. Uh, no, I, uh, I, <laughs> I think of the scene when, uh, when we first get to meet the doctor. That is by far one of my favorites. When he's, you don't know whether something is uh, warranting his overreactions to the circumstances, uh, and so you're kind of waiting for it to happen. But then it becomes more and more abundantly clear that he's just out of his mind and and. Uh, that's really that's what what holds my attention. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> the slow descent into madness. <laughs> <laughs> just psychoanalyze these characters and figure out, you know, is this guy just off or what's happening here? Yeah. Yeah. This most recent time I watched it, which would be like my fifth or sixth time now, I like, I was really studying whenever he and Rhodes like were on screen at the same time talking to each other, 
and mm-hmm. both their demeanors are like they're nervous to be talking to the other one, which I thought was kind of interesting. Like they oh, both kind of yeah. have some weird power over each other. There's so much pressure in this film, like between the characters. I didn't, you know, I revisited this movie just today. I'll, I'll refresh my memory on it for this thing, but I, it's been maybe a, about a decade since I last saw it. And I had a whole different viewpoint on it because like the tension is very poignant throughout all the, all the film, like between every single character, except for like the exception of a couple of them who are like kind of your protagonists, like who get along. But otherwise it's like, yeah, but just between the doctor and Rhodes, like they're playing this weird game of chess where one character wants to get something out of the other one, but they both have completely opposite like directions that they're pulling in. It's like a fucked up game of tug of war or something with a zombie in the middle that knows how to rap or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was getting there anyways. He didn't learn yeah. how to rap, but he would, if you would have gave him a few more years, he'd have figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's almost like uh, they're fighting for sides that you almost would expect it to be flip flopped. Like usually when you think of soldiers, they're into like the carnage and the death of it, but it's almost like yeah. Rhodes is on the side of life and Dr. Frankenstein or whatever they call him. He's like on the side of death, like just accepting their fates, but it's almost like the bad guy is fighting for the humans rather than the zombies. Yeah. One is clinging to what's, what is known and what's lost. And the other is trying to advance in like a, a new weird direction. Like he's, he's just completely lost his mind figuring like he's probably way ahead of them anyways, like ahead of everybody thinking that there is no way they're going to survive. So let's just teach these zombies how to do this crap. And then maybe we can learn how to uh, shoot a gun ever <laughs> after <laughs> we're dead. <laughs> yeah, he's like... That's job security, really. you got to set up the future that you need. That's what it's all about. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Where to go. Somewhere to go. Because I like watched it with a scrutinous eye this time, I'm like wondering how Frankenstein was able to get the bodies and stuff that he needed as quickly as he got them. Like he would, yeah. the a bunch of people got shot or whatever, and then the ruins running around yelling at each other, and he must have used that time to immediately go down and grab the bodies and bring them up and cut them apart and stuff, and I don't know, he just mm. doesn't seem that that limber. <laughs> he's probably, he's sitting there listening for gunshots, and every single time he hears one, he's like creeping in the shadows. He just like scurries out. He's like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> There's like this whole argument happening over here. He just running up and dragging bodies away. <laughs> I'll be right back, bub. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mommy loves you, bub. I'll be right back with some more meat for you. Uh, it makes you wonder if he sowed the seeds of the scent just to uh, somehow subconsciously was sowing seeds of the scent just to get more test subjects. Yeah. He was trying to get that insurance commercial. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. Create that chaos. He reminds me so much of Mr. Feeney from Boy Meets World. It's not even funny. Like, I wonder if Boy Meets World oh, is a prequel yeah. for this movie. Cause... <laughs> <laughs> that would be the best fucking prequel ever. <laughs> That'll be the best series of films ever. Boy Meets World is actually a prequel to the the dead series of films by George Romero. And it, like <laughs> you go back and watch Boy Meets World. Wait, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't know enough about Boy Meets World anymore. I, that's another show. When I was a kid, man, I was just like super duper into it. But they they knew how to get you. They put it on the just the right time when you came home from school. Gargoyles was on. Boy Meets World was on. You had nothing better to do than just watch TV. So you're like, hey. 
this is now part of my life. I'm like Corey. <laughs> and my teacher is killing people. He's chopping them up and feeding them to zombies. <laughs> I didn't learn anything good in this school. <laughs> They're like having heart to hearts in the backyard with Mr. Feeney. And like in the background, you just see people running and zombies like following them. <laughs> <laughs> They're just ignoring it. Continuing on with their life advice. The doctor Look dude with the, uh, with the glasses and like the goatee oh, secondary doctor yeah what the well, fuck was number two. what the fuck was his i don't know what his name is but also why was he in this movie <laughs> just just so he could get bodied yeah. at the end yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i felt like they used him just for that scene with Rhodes, and he's just like like don't i'll do it i'll do it i really do it and he's like no you won't and he's like you did it's <laughs> like oh fuck. we needed somebody who didn't really have a lot of lines and didn't advance the plot a whole lot Fisher, that was his name. He like literally, I was paying attention to what he was doing in every scene. Literally, his whole job was to yell at Bub at one point. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> he was like, "You goddamn son of a bitch!" And he turns off the light. And he walks out of the room, and that's all he does. It's his whole job. <laughs> Yeah, it takes. I mean, I can't imagine the resume that he must have. To get, to get <laughs> he just pops right. up. Feather in your cap. <laughs> he just pops up and he's just like, you know, you really ought to be careful. And then, like, he goes back to work. You goddamn sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, well, time for the grind again. <laughs> Walks back into the door. <laughs> you motherfucker. <laughs> He's like, by the way, we're running low on markers. <laughs> Status report. Like, going through all my notes here, I'm looking at the point, and it says, oh, no, he kills the worthless scientist. No loss there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That guy outlived his usefulness, uh, uh, his usefulness a long time, probably before that movie even started. Like, he was probably like the, he's probably like the pharmacist in there or whatever. Yeah. You know, he's like just prescribing Tylenol and everybody's aches and pains. It's like, here you go. I guess. And he's like, you can have Tylenol or a tad bit stronger. We have morphine. Yeah. <laughs> That's our stockpile. I mean, you know, you got to balance it out. It's, it's kind of like your question to me earlier, Miles, where you were like, right, from a scale of one to two, are your, <laughs> are your underwear dry or wet? <laughs> That's what you're getting with that pharmacist guy. <laughs> are you in pain or aren't you? Because you can get little baby aspirin or you can get morphine. <laughs> Copious amounts of morphine. <laughs> we only bought it in the big can, so we have to use it all because of that. You know what? I... <laughs> use it all up, everybody. Morphine time. Get in here. Everybody tells you you buy in bulk, right? You go to the bargain store. <laughs> you just got to use it all at once. And then everybody, nobody showers. You wake up, everything stinks. It's terrible. Whatever you want, it's just a whole jar of morphine. There's, there's that brings up two points to me in this when watching this movie. Point number one: this movie is way more relevant now in our history than it maybe ever it's ever been in like any of our lives. Because I felt so connected to the fact that these guys were all stuck and they're going crazy, and there's no, like, they can't go outside. There's no way out. And I'm like, this is my life right now. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, this is. And then the other, timing. the other point was that uh, that guy who constantly drinks. That's Matt. That's basically Matt. Yeah, that's definitely Matt. <laughs> He's just constantly chugging out of his flask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like. 
Jesus, Mary and Joseph. That's just his, <laughs> his remarks to everything. He kills yeah. a thing with a shovel. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my favorite parts of the movie is when he hits a guy with the shovel and he just barks at him. He just, woof. <laughs> he just keeps oh going. Oh my back. God, yeah. <laughs> he just done lost his fucking mind at that point. <laughs> it started getting silly. <laughs> and he had sometimes like a... you express it in English, you know. You just, sometimes you just got to resort to those animal sounds. <laughs> Um, did, did that's right. He, he had like a fake ass, like uh, Scottish accent, right? Or what was? Yeah, it? I think I think that's what he was trying to do. <laughs> it something, was it was so between Scottish or <laughs> Scottish or Irish or something. <laughs> and like apparently the Jamaican dude, definitely not from Jamaica. <laughs> like, oh my god, he sounded like Miss Cleo, man. And he was like, "Call me today, honey. I wanna be chilling on that beach with that tiger." cards I'm reading. <laughs> you and me are gonna be on the beach. I'm gonna fuck you till the end of time. Man. <laughs> he just, his whole plot was to get that girl alone on a beach, and the other guy was too drunk to give a fuck, so he didn't care if he was there. They were probably gonna eat him after they ran out of fish to catch. <laughs> want to procreate with her for the rest of his life. You know, I never thought of it that way either. He he definitely had a motive. Yeah, he's like he's like I ain't taking you bitches up in this helicopter, you army fuckers. As I can't fuck you. <laughs> I've only seen the prequel to this one, the the Dawn of the Dead or whatever, once from the eight. This is a totally different cast, right? Yes. Uh, there's. I, I think I was reading that there's some carryover. Like, I think Rhodes, the guy who played Rhodes, was an extra in. Not either night or dawn. I can't remember which one. Um, and then Savini was the makeup effects, of course. But mm-hmm. yeah, there's. I don't think there's any. There's definitely not any recurring cast in terms of characters. And I guess not either in the with the actors either. Yeah, I started watching it with my girlfriend, and she sat down and like she's like, "What am I just supposed to know? What's going on with these characters? Isn't this like the third movie <laughs> in the series?" And I'm like, "I mean, I don't think anybody knows." <laughs> so yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Hmm. But like, yeah, it's a, it's essentially just an anthology. Like, here's what's happening at different stages. Like, dawn is of course the very first night. I think, and I'm I'm sorry, uh, night is the first night. Dawn is like the next few weeks, I think. And then this, uh, I'm guessing, takes place some some months later. Mm-hmm. Like after things have really gone just completely to shit. Yeah, it's. I remember when I watched this when I was like a little kid, and I had nightmares about the dude who like rolled over on the table and all his guts fell out on the ground and shit oh and, yeah even the main uh, character had a nightmare about that shit yeah like i totally related to her i was like <laughs> imagining being in rooms with no windows and just like guts falling out oh, to be nine again <laughs> they're like super moldy all the zombies at the point that this one takes place so i, I imagine it is at least months if not years later but why is there always a zombie clown like, are there were there, there that many, were there that many clowns running around just in general in the eighties that there was a likelihood that we'd have a zombie clown? Most of them, I think that's all they've got. You know, they're ride or die when it comes to that. So it's like, you know, they're they're a hundred percent when it, they're working up until the very last moments. Uh, you know, right before everybody's dead. Uh, they're out there. They're trying to entertain people. They're trying to go out there and, and put a smile on people's face, especially the children. It's, about, it's really all about the children because they're our future. You know? uh, uh, so, eat them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that's that's why there's always a zombie clown because inevitably somebody's going to have to uh, 
going to have to do something about it and, and uh, keep everybody as happy as possible. Uh, and that's really the only way to do it sometimes with that zombie phenomenon. If you take if you take it to today's by today's standards, you can tell that the clowns really are the the la first ones out there and the last ones to go because that's essentially what we got going on now. A bunch of fucking clowns <laughs> running around outside when you're supposed to stay inside. <laughs> no, let's go out. So yeah, I guess that George Romero was was very uh he's like Nostradamus of his day. <laughs> Here's what's going to happen. The clowns are going to be out in full force. There's always a clown zombie. In fact, there's a whole army of clown zombies. They're just not going to show them in this one. That's that's Dawn of the Clown Dead. Right. Clown of the Dead. I don't know. He, he had that uh, one planned. Yeah. He just never filmed it. <laughs> Keep that one in the chamber. Yeah. They're motherfucking dedicated, I think, to, to Matt's point. Those clowns are out there. They don't care. Yeah, shit. they're like they're like the band on the Titanic. They're playing on the, <laughs> but they got them taped to the mast. <laughs> they're out there playing that They're they're sitting up sideways. They don't care. <laughs> Their symphony is just honking horns, <laughs> <laughs> squirting flowers and shit. I was yeah. thinking that they would be like the least equipped for handling a zombie apocalypse because their shoes are so big and they're gonna fall over. But they also have bowling pins. So maybe That's they true. would be able to defend themselves better than most people because they got a blunt object that they can just bonk zombies on the head. They they wear the clothing <laughs> to make themselves look misshapen, and so when the zombies go to bite down, it's nothing but air and fabric. You know, that's just as good as chainmail, as far as I'm concerned. They're actually ahead of the curve, and then it's like forty of them can fit in a car, so exactly. <laughs> they can make it an escape real quick. Hurry, yeah, everyone, get in! Yeah. You, can, you can evacuate the whole country of clowns. <laughs> country of clowns. They're just like survivor clown settlements all around. <laughs> That's it. Welcome to Clownsylvania. <laughs> it's safe here. Honk, honk. <laughs> <laughs> i also noticed that they had a football player zombie in this one that was something i haven't seen a whole oh, lot just yeah. fully armored yeah. <laughs> completely like... he'd be a that'd be a bitch to take that one down he's got hel a helmet and pads and shit yeah you'd plus a low center of gravity <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's been working on the field since he got killed <laughs> <laughs> he's out there running drills. What do you think? He's got all the time in the world. He's God, he's undead. God's tight. <laughs> <laughs> on a on a similar wardrobe note, I noticed that the the John, the black guy who's not really Jamaican, Jamaican guy, he's wearing this sweater, mm -hmm. right? For most of the movie, it's a white sweater. It has like a uh, knit on the front of it. And I was trying to figure out. I've seen Drake wearing that sweater at least once. So I did, <laughs> I did some research. You can find that exact sweater for $100 from L.L. Bean. I didn't know if that was a, a public Ooh. service announcement anyone needed. But <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Since 1985. Wow, holy shit. Yeah. That's a solid product if they're still moving it after, <laughs> what, 30 something? That's years? a longevity. I didn't, I didn't know that Mr. Cleo was such a fashion icon. <laughs> Back in the day. He's on top of it, yeah. Call me today, honey. You like this sweater? Drake's <laughs> got it, too. <laughs> I made it to you from my beach house. <laughs> right in between fucking this girl. And I stole from a military base. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You just sneak right out from the bushes. They don't even know you're coming. <laughs> 
So the guy who plays Bub, I feel like he steals the show of this movie for sure. Yeah. yeah inevitably. I, I felt when I was watching this one again, uh, I kind of was more interested in, in Bub as a character than I was the first time around. When I watched it, it was I watched each movie in succession. So I watched like night and I went right to dawn and right to dead. So I kind of want to get that full experience. And I almost feel like it kind of hurt my experience, like hurt my viewpoint on each of the films individually. Cause obviously dawn was kind of the standout in terms of like some themes. And then night was the night's like the most horrific. Dawn is kind of the most like socially poignant one. This one's a bit more, uh, this one's a bit more nuanced. And I didn't like the whole idea of bub being like, having intelligence and stuff the first time I watched it. But this time I suspended my disbelief and I was like, all right, you know, let's just see what it has to say. And I felt like he really, he really was kind of the, the focus point of this movie. It's sort of <laughs> him advancing was kind of like, it's very contrary to the, or contradictory to the rest of the group, like falling apart from the inside out, Ooh. like him, him advancing and them descending, like it's happening at the same time. So it's kind of an interesting dichotomy that was presented to you in this movie. The next iteration of life. I want to see like a prequel to this movie that's all about Bub, but then I think we realized that it would be just an episode of Boy Meets World at the beginning. Of that's this. right, yeah. <laughs> it's the dad from Boy Meets World. <laughs> <laughs> he's reading Salem's Lot. <laughs> he's, the, he's shooting a gun in the backyard. He's <laughs> shooting at squirrels in Feeney's yard. <laughs> he's doing all the little touches that he does in the movie. They actually could pull that off, though, if they wanted to do like a like a side story like thing that would be a very interesting uh approach if you made a movie about the guy who was bub and you just didn't even associate it by name and just to a dead movie and then at the very end you just link it right to that like he dies he becomes a zombie and then he ends up at the military base and then you're like oh shit like you connect the dots you know, maybe like a little web webisode or some shit yeah that would be awesome i was just looking at his imdb he's still acting and stuff too so I mean, TM. <laughs> <laughs> Don't feel that. <laughs> TM, she's saying the vicinity. Let's take back. I'm probably I'm probably good. Steel and uh, what was his name? Chuckles? No, uh, Rickles. Oh, that guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those dudes. I can't tell if they were really bad actors or really good actors. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> This is the dilemma. This is the dilemma with this movie. Is it so bad that it's good? Is it so good that it's almost pointing out things that are bad? Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough to tell. I, I think, I mean, I was I was trying to be more forgiving when I was watching this movie, as I was saying. Like, I, I was trying to also put myself in that position of, like, imagine my experience in my own quarantine and then pushing that out maybe like a year and being like, because I do find myself, I mean, if you listen to the, the Kickstart show with me and Matt, even just listen to this show, actually, <laughs> the insanity that's running through my mind at all times, like, I could see myself laughing to my death because I'm just in that weird mode, like, weird mood at that time. And th weird things are funny to me, and, you know, I just am I'm not in touch with reality. So I felt like I kind of gave that, those guys a bit of a pass because they were just losing touch with all reality. Like, although it was super ham-fisted, so mm -hmm. yeah. was it distracting? Yeah, I mean, but can you forgive it? Uh, that's up to it's up to whether you like. <laughs> it's up to whether you like the fact that Bub can shoot a gun and <laughs> yeah. it's almost say words. 
they like they don't get to go outside at all because everyone else is doing all the runs and stuff so i could see how i would lose my mind underground like that but if this was like a new movie the point mm-hmm. where miguel rips out all of the controls for the elevator and uh rickles is like you can fix it right and steals like fix what and he ripped all the shit out of it and they're like yelling at each other that would totally be an snl skit like in response to this movie i feel like they just (laughs) missed a really gold moment of comedy there chance passed them up that's that's how it goes sometimes sometimes you don't you can't catch them all (laughs) hey tell that to a pokemon fan man i tell you uh, god they're pregnant yeah they're fueled by their unreasonable desire to catch them all It's an unreasonable request, but I've been tasked with it because I started this game, and goddammit, I'm going to finish it. I don't like to leave these shoestrings untied all over my life. Time to double pop <laughs> that bitches. You know? I, I will say that um, Steel's death at the end affected me a lot more than the first time around. First time I watched it, I'm like, yeah, you die, asshole. And then this time I was, I felt like he was a dick, but the, when he was just like so desperate, he like looks and he's got like one maybe one more bullet he just doesn't know he's just like i'd rather not get torn apart i'm just gonna blow my head off i was like and it was fucking pretty graphic too i was like damn he just blew his fucking brains out the back of his head like whew. but that was yeah i felt more sympathy for him this time around so i was like that sucks man he's yeah. got nowhere to go uh, he reminded me of will sasso for some reason <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. Hell yeah. <laughs> yep. I wish it was Will Sasso. <laughs> I kind of do too. Yeah. He's spitting lemons yep. at people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so, yeah, he. Uh, I feel like his character, he didn't really show that he was human until he had to kill one of his own guys because he got bit. And he's like, oh, don't let me be a zombie or whatever. And then, like, from that moment <laughs> on, he's like... Direct quote <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> I'm like dying and shit, bro. Uh. <laughs> yeah, so like I feel like that's the moment he was like a human in the movie. But yeah, it that's like what, ten, fifteen minutes before the end? So Yeah. It they did humanize him towards the end there. I felt like everybody was a bit humanized, even like Rhodes, I felt like he was a he was just a raging prick the whole movie, but he was and I mean to the point of humanization I guess in the in this film like you can really watch it and be on you can try to be on his side of the movie and you can try to be on the other side of the you know protagonists like and when I was watching I was trying to sympathize with him and be like how would I feel if everything that was going on was complete shit these these doctors and scientists are giving me absolutely nothing to work with and like every time that people would have to go out to catch zombies somebody else dies because inevitably they really needed to change that system because somebody died every time they used it <laughs> that's true like if they weren't outside they were inside somebody died every time they split the party yeah that was very inefficient <laughs> but he was trying to make uh institutional changes he's like we're not going to do that anymore we're going to kill all these zombies and we're just done with it because everybody's going to die and they're like no we don't want that because we're we're not done testing zombies for intelligence I'm trying to teach this one how to dial the dial the police. <laughs> this one this one racked up five hundred dollars calling Miss Cleo. I don't know where he got that number from. Don't look at me, man. I didn't do it. I swear to God. <laughs> I was this for eight years. <laughs> he wanted tarot card reading. He should have came to me, honey. 
<laughs> we'll call everybody honey. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's how they speak in Jamaica, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> Silly me, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> oh. But yeah, Rhodes Rhodes uh, had a point. He was not very nice about it, but he had it. He he had Rhodes, his position. Where we're going, we don't need Rhodes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Bub should have said to him. This is where it comes down from one of the other parts. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, Doc! Wish we went way too far in the future. Back the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens. You all have to do better. <laughs> Mark, go back to this. like president. What happened? I don't know. Phoenix is on fire. I don't know what's going on. Everybody's dead. We live in the sewers now. You've created a nightmare machine, Doc. <laughs> All I see is, is evil. All I see is death. All I see is evil. Time keeps passing and things get worse, Doc. They're not getting better. Here's what happened since I used it. I fucked my mom. Biff became the president of the United States. Okay? Zombies took over the whole planet. I got stuck in the old west. Bunch of Indians chased through a ravine. I got hung. I got out. I got shot at. This is the worst trip ever, Doc. <laughs> Jesus Christ, what the hell are you doing? Stick to making blenders or something. Jesus Christ, improve the vacuum, why don't you? My God, stop trying to add time to a car, you asshole. The amplifier. The amplifier has been broken for months. I've done playing my guitar. <laughs> if you're a guy that can invent time travel, don't you think you would be able to solve some of the world's problems instead of negotiating with terrorists to buy plutonium? <laughs> I mean, if we're talking about villains here, right, and <laughs> unsuspecting yeah. villains, I think Doc Brown might be a bit of a uh, not such a good guy. I would <laughs> categorize his terroristic activity and his selfish <laughs> pursuit of being a time lord to, to be uh Less than less than good morally. Yeah, I think that, that, that way. Got, he doesn't have the responsibility necessary to uh, wield such power, and I think that it should be turned over to the government immediately. That's right. Uh, they know what to do. They know what to do. About <laughs> <laughs> they know how to handle a situation. Uh, no, no, but the uh, the, uh, the the principle that Doc Brown has this thing where he can go anywhere he wants in time, make those changes, and then make sure that he ends up back at that same moment in time. So like when he sends Einstein right first, and then, bam, Einstein's back. How do we know that it's the same Einstein that went, that came back? Maybe, you know, it, it, you've got that option. So hmm. any possibility of any reality Right, because there's alternate timelines. Exactly. Yeah. I have, there's a recurring theme on this show where I bitch about how much I hate time travel movies. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so you guys are you're kind of speaking my language right now. How do you know? You don't because this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> I fucking hate time travel movies. 
It's like, not working out. No. They can all... never make sense. They never do. No, they're like, okay, yeah. here's the rules. We've thought really hard about the rules. Isn't this neat? And you're like, okay, I'm I'm buying into it. Cool. All right. So we're obeying the rules the whole way. Shit, we wrote ourselves into a corner. What do we do? Well, if you break the rules, what are they going to do? Not watch the movie? We already made it this far. And I'm like, son of a bitch, every fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> the whole idea is to fuck up at the latest possible point in the movie so that you can't get get a refund. They're like, you already yeah. sat through 40 minutes of it. You, no, we're not giving you money back. It, Damn, fuck. <laughs> exactly. It's a fucking racket. <laughs> They're con artists, people who write time travel movies. So how do you feel about... Uh, primer have you seen that one i have not seen that one. Oh, okay so if you hate time travel movies you should watch this movie primer it's a little indie film um by these guys who are phys like physicists and it uses this it uses a little bit of magic in between the the physical description of the time travel but it uses it in the like up until that point where they have to make that jump they're using all proven principles to like explain time travel so it's very it's pretty interesting I, I would check it out it's also extremely complicated so like it, it runs into that that uh where you're kind of like oh well what the fuck you know what the what are the rules here i don't understand why, how this is working or what's going on like but if you watch it maybe once or twice or look up like there's a wikipedia article that explains it really well but yeah give that one a try if you hate it because that's very different from the usual time travel bullshit yeah i mean like I'll definitely check that out. That sounds actually pretty cool that there's actual rules, which would be pretty nice. But, like, even the really big ones, like fucking Avengers Endgame, they didn't have to break their own fucking rules. <laughs> they just yeah. did it. They just did. They're like, hey, you can kill yourself now, and then who knows? <laughs> yeah, I was like, what the? <laughs> I'm like, you're the ones yep. to introduce time travel into a series of, like, 20 movies that didn't ha actually need it. Like, why the fuck are we going down this road now? And then you're going to not explain it that well. And their explanation of time travel, I was like, excuse me? I, like, <laughs> I mean, I know they were, like, kind of making fun of it, like, poking fun of in the movie, but I was like, yeah. Uh... <laughs> I think the peak of time travel movies was uh, in the 1990s, I believe. Uh, Austin Powers. Yeah. Uh, he, uh... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think they violated their own rules in that one, so you might be right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. The violations were in all the right places, and that's what you want to see uh, when you watch me for that period of time. Uh, alrighty, so speaking of time travel, I think it's time that we take a little break to hear some of our... Uh, if I had sponsors, this would be when you'd hear them, but I also have the Appreciation Zone and some other stuff on how to get a hold of me coming up. So we're going to take a brief break and we'll be right back. Hey everybody. I just want to let you know how to get a hold of me and I want to say some special thank yous. So first of all, if I know that there are a bunch of you out there, I you, yeah, you listening to this right now. I don't know you. You don't know me. I get it. That's fine. But I want to hear from you. Come on. So don't be shy. Come talk to me. This is how you can reach me, okay? There are more people who download this on like Spotify and Apple than I have following me on any social media. Because that means that some of you listen to this and you're not part of these groups and you're not sending me emails. I want to hear from you. All right? So if you want to reach out to me, which you do, 
obviously. You can reach me at discdumppod at gmail.com. That's D-I-S-C-D-U-M-P-P-O-D at gmail.com. Don't forget the little pee-pee in there. It's important. On Twitter, you can find me at the discdump. I'm going to be doing some construction on that here in the next few weeks because it is sad we need some more twitter followers for sure but also it's uh i haven't provided the kind of content that anyone would want to follow anyway so i am hoping to do some more work on twitter on instagram which i put a little bit more effort into you can find me on disc dump podcast uh again don't forget the pp on that on facebook you can find me at the disc dump podcast fans there's a page too Please like the page. The page is great. That's where you can share things from it. But on the group, you can start conversations. You're going to see all the promotional material. You're going to get special promotional material. I don't put on anything else. And uh, it's a great place to get all things disc dump. I would like to thank Matt and Matt for joining me today. Their podcast is called The Kickstart with Matt and Matt. They're going to talk about it a little bit at the end, but I just want to put that bug in your ear again. They are hilarious dudes. You can find them on Spotify. Very, very funny guys. They do weird news and stuff. It's They're great. So thank you, Matt and Matt. I also want to thank Yashi. Yashi made me a meal plan, and he's talking about exercise and stuff. He is a hardcore dude when it comes to lifting weights and looking trim and being a badass and he agreed that he's gonna help me look trim and be a badass so thank you yashi i look forward to the day where my heartbeat isn't felt in my head whenever i bend over and i want to say thank you to terry terry's been listening to the back catalog a little bit i'm pretty excited about that because he's asking me questions about podcasts that I forgot I already recorded. I'm only 18, 17 episodes into this show, and I'm already forgetting podcasts, and he's reminding me of conversations I've had with myself and other people. And, uh, yep, so thank you, Terry, for being a fan. I appreciate you. On a serious note, I kind of... I don't really want to do this, but it seems important that nobody's acknowledging... Something that we are learning through this COVID thing. I don't want to be the guy that talks about the COVID. I'm not. It's so confusing out there. I'm not the guy you want to listen to. So I'm not going to be like, this is what the facts are about COVID. I'm a fucking idiot. Don't listen to me. But I do think that we all learned something from this. And that is that we are all essential. Uh, it doesn't make sense that Petco is open and a small business isn't. You can wait. It like sardines and Walmart, but you can't go to a, a consignment shop. Like, it doesn't make any goddamn sense. It's so fucking stupid. But because they're essential businesses, we see like these are the essential people. But I think everybody's essential because society's fucking falling apart without you guys. So I want to thank everybody for contributing to society. I think everyone is doing a great job surviving this and that we are proving to be stronger than I thought we were as a country. So uh, everyone just stick it out. I think we're doing great. I keep up whatever it is you're doing to improve your life right now because we were kind of handed a weird opportunity where we could like take a little vacation and just like enjoy being alive, which I don't think any generation before us has ever been gifted. So that's kind of cool. It's, a, it's an extremely stressful vacation, but it's kind of cool to be able to like work on yourself a little bit do your projects you know improve everything in your life clean your house whatever we never really get a break so i mean i think this is as close as we're getting anyway so keep on being awesome everybody we're gonna get through this soon
And I have one last thank you to put out there, and that's thank you to all the moms out there. If anyone didn't get a break, I'm sure it's the moms, but everybody's got a mama, and I want you all to share your appreciation for them because Mother's Day is right around the corner. It's in like two days for me, so that means it's probably less for you as you're listening to this. So everybody's mamas, my mama, thank you all. All right, let's get back to the podcast, guys. I hope you're enjoying it, and uh, bye. I feel like I'm watching Ghost Hunters on Matt's screen. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm so scared. <laughs> Do something, you coward! <laughs> if you're in this room, give us a sign. Oh! <laughs> did, you, did you hear that? Did you hear that? <laughs> if we play the shot how- again in slow motion, you can see clearly that there's a human shape that's approaching us from behind. If you ever feel like you're a useless human being, imagine what it feels like to be a director of those ghost hunting shows. All they do is strap a, a fucking front camera on somebody and they just cut it together. That's it. That's the, that's the key. It's all about cut it back together. Honestly, I'd love that job because it sounds like there's absolutely no work involved. <laughs> as editor? No, no, no. As a, as a director, cinematographer. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was yeah. in Vegas a couple – about a month ago, and we went to the Zach Baggins Haunted Museum. He's like the guy from that Ghost Hunter show. That dude is yeah. so fucking full of himself. Every room, there's like pictures of him going like, you're in the Ghost Hunter's house. Zach Baggins, that's me. I didn't know if you knew. Like there'd be a whole <laughs> bunch of like haunted pictures up on the walls. And then there would be a portrait of him like right in the middle of all of them and shit. Dude's like a fucking psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's I love that. Jesus. He literally has a shrunken head exhibit, and then he has like a a model of his own head in the shrunken head exhibit. Like, just, really? Yeah, he's like so self obsessed. It's not even funny. He's a fucking narcissist. Totally, that's the word I've been looking for here. He's a he's a total narcissist. He's like, oh yeah, hey, it's this place is haunted, but don't forget about me. <laughs> I, I don't think you knew about me, but here I am. Most place of- is haunted, but we also have a gift shop. So. <laughs> <laughs> You can buy my little shrunken head replicas. You can buy a picture of me. <laughs> All things you'll see on the tour, mind you. In every room, there's like a little TV that's like scrolling through pictures of him with celebrities in the museum. There's like, there's one where it's like, Post Malone and I went into this room together. Did I mention I'm friends with Post Malone? Anyway, I'm Zach Baggins. Like that's how the whole fucking museum is. <laughs> It's like you're in his house or something, and he's like trying to impress you the whole time. That's what it feels like. like. Hey, welcome. Come on over. Hey, come on over here and just look at my picture collection of my me and all my celebrities. And by the way, I'm important. Here we have a haunted doll. You guys can talk to that, or you can talk to me, Zach Baggins, the most important person in the room. Anyway, <laughs> I own a full wardrobe of haunted clothes. I got haunted pants, haunted shirts, haunted hats. <laughs> They're slashing prices left and right like the throats that were slashed from the people's families who these ghosts came from. (laughs) They're haunted as fuck. (laughs) 
clothes are haunted as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> this is commercial on TV. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, do you guys have anything else you want to talk about with this movie? Uh, I kind of, I, I did have a chance to kind of work in a lot of my, my thoughts on it. It was really actually interesting watching it, um, like coming back from not having seen it for a long time. I found it to be like just a bit more enjoyable and like more, um, relevant. Yeah. Especially since we're like, you know, in the middle of COVID time, was there ever like a dawn of the dead in space since like all the other horror movies at some point, their franchise goes to space? <sighs> Dead space. Dead space. Well, yeah, that's from video game angle. Yeah. Um, you know what? I want to say like, I just watched like Ghost of Mars on that um, mm. on Betty's live stream, and that's kind of like that's kind of like this. But Romero, if Romero was still alive today, you can bet your ass he would be doing the Space of the Dead or whatever the fuck you have. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Eternal Night of the Dead. Right. <laughs> Yeah, the what was that? You said Ghost of Mars. You just watched. Is that the one where Ice T runs around and like kills space zombies? Is that what that one is? Is Ice I, yeah. or Ice Cube or Ice T or one of those guys? Anyway, they're the same. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're all the same. The only difference the, the, the atmospheres of space, they're all the same. <laughs> That's right. It's just, it's just as cold. The cubes, they're all the same. <laughs> My favorite scene in that movie was. Um, Ice Cube that goes into he's telling his story how he ended up in the in the space jail and he goes in to basically rob a store and there's bodies hanging from the ceilings and shit and he walks up and he still robs the store yeah, oh my God. I <laughs> it's all about commitment you got it yeah. like you just walked into the most <laughs> horrific scene a, a person could see and you still he's, he's dedicated man it's dedication <laughs> I came here for to do a damn job, and I'm not leaving until it's done. <laughs> I don't care if there's space predators up in here. <laughs> nope. That that one has Natasha Henstridge in it too, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, let's just say I was a big fan of her in my prepubescent years. <laughs> oh, that's it. I think she's um. Is she is she the one that gets her head cut off, or does she is she the one who survives the whole thing? I can't remember. I think she's the last girl, the survivor. She's the blonde chick. Yeah, okay, yeah. Super- yeah, she's like the main character. Oops, oh, shit. Yeah. So, speaking of main girls, uh, Sarah from this movie, over-actor or under-actor? You think she's good or not so good? I I would, I would want to say that she was doing a pretty good job. I liked, I liked in the beginning more than towards the end. I felt like at the end, she got a little off a little bit off the rails but in the beginning i i like that she was like oh fuck you guys <laughs> it's like grow up it's like stop being a bitch i was like yeah man this character like she's the only person that i'm really listening to because she's the only person who's like has her head on on her shoulders right exactly so i thought she did a pretty good job I, i'll give it to her i don't know yeah, i i i think that i agree but i think that also um you know perhaps you know, something else is going on that's stressing her out because I think she she definitely overacts just a little bit, just a little bit <laughs> certain spots. But that's okay. You know, it in it, you know you it's it's as I always say, you have that ugly friend that you take out dancing with you so that it makes you look a little bit hotter. And I think that when she's around the doctor, you know, that little bit of overacting just disappears in the tsunami that is 
his attempt to play that character. <laughs> I, I, I feel like you're right. You're right on the money with that, Matt. Honestly, because yeah. we were just talking about how the doc, the doctor's like super kooky, and then the one Laffy McG Mc jerk face or whatever the fuck his face is he gets he dies laughing he's just like hams it up the whole entire movie and yeah. even like i think honestly i feel like Rhodes gives the best performance in the film mm-hmm. yeah, he, he doesn't does. have a fake accent <laughs> you either have a fake <laughs> accent you're, you're you're ham-fisting the whole goddamn thing or you're you're spouting off some kooky bullshit like he's the only one who's maybe kind of grounded and has like He's like, oh, what the fuck is going on? Everyone's just constantly pissed in this movie, too. This is great. I love it. I uh, I do think Rhodes was, like, definitely the best actor in the movie. I think Sarah is, like, one of the, the strongest female characters I've ever seen in a horror film. Usually they're just like, I survived because my instinct is great. But she's like, like you said Mm -hmm. at the beginning, she's like, I don't take no fucking bullshit from nobody. She almost gets shot Mm -hmm. because she won't sit down and shit. But yeah, (laughs) I love that part. part. (laughs) But then like she after she chops off Miguel's arm, which is also nightmare inducing, um, Mm -hmm. then she like finally breaks down. And then for the rest of the movie, she's just kind of like passive. Like that's just like the end of her being a badass. I feel like. I don't know. Does yeah? Does she, does she do anything crazy after that? No, she's she, she ran out of tokens. Kinda, I think she kind of becomes helpless in the in the end, and that's it is a weird reversal like of her character in that in the movie. It's I think it's kind of maybe getting go a little bit unnoticed because of all the chaos that each character is getting dealt with like individually at that point. Um, like completely, everyone who's not on that helicopter with Jamaica Man is dead. <laughs> <laughs> and then he actually, those three become way less important as the movie's ending. Like that really doesn't even matter what's going on with them. Yeah, I guess if you're just gonna pay attention to the carnage and chaos at the end, the people who like get out at, with a shovel and survive, they're probably like the least important people because it's not as interesting to watch them as it is to watch people get ripped apart by the forehead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Right. Exactly. That's what's going to be on my tombstone. Yeah. That's, that's Definitely my favorite part of the movie, though, is when uh, when fake Scottish Irish man hits the dude with the, the shovel and just goes woof. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's 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 definitely the uh, the climax of the film. They probably uh, gave him a real complicated word, and he was like he couldn't fake the accent, and he just went woof. <laughs> They're like, okay, when you hit this guy with the shovel, say onomatopoeia, but say it in a Scottish accent. Right. He's like onomatopoeia. I hear that uh, George Romero tried to make some of the zombies look like famous celebrities. And the only Mm -hmm. one I could really pick out was the Rodney Dangerfield zombie that like had a robe on and they shot him in the head at the end. And he's just like, Oh, no respect. And he just falls back. (laughs) Did you guys pick up any of those at all or not so much? Let's see. I'm trying to think if I saw any. No, I, I don't think, I don't think that I, uh, at least nothing that I wrote down on my notes, but I saw a couple people that looked a little familiar, a couple of the zombies, but I didn't actually pay enough attention to, to pick them out there. Uh, you never know. There might have been some people that we don't even know. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, for sure. Like Ron what Howard. Is- like there could be a Ron Howard zombie. Who would know what he'd look like, you know? <laughs> Jesus, I don't know what Ron Howard looks like. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly why they picked him. They're like, this is just famous enough to be an Easter egg. But most people are going to say, who's little Ronnie Howard? We have no clue. 
<laughs> I also read that George Romero is like at this point of his career, he was pretty close friends with Stephen King, which is why he threw Salem's Lot down on the table for the zombie to read. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was that was kind of a cool Easter egg, and it's just in that you would never have known that in the '80s, but now I guess people do. But um, right. I also noticed that there was a Romero as the casting director, and I meant to look it up to see if it was his wife or his daughter or a totally different Romero, but it would be just a coincidence, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Do you you guys ever play um, uh, Call of Duty Black Ops? I know I listened to an episode where you guys were like, we don't play video games, but (laughs) yes. Oh, Matt Matt, does and I do. Yeah, Matt does. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. So there's uh, Call of Duty Black Ops. They have like zombie mode in that game. And mm-hmm. the a couple years, like two or three years before he died, George Romero, they made a zombie map where there is just like one unkillable zombie that follows you everywhere you go, and it's George Romero as a zombie. And oh the, yeah, yeah, I've seen that. And the characters that you get to be are uh, Danny Trejo, Sarah Michelle Gellar, uh, one of the guys from Walking Dead, and I don't remember who the fourth one was. But Michael Madsen, I think. (laughs) And uh, the day that George Romero died, I actually was like, I dug out that old game and fired it up on the old Xbox. Just like, I got to remember him goodbye, you know. Did you guys do anything special when you heard that George Romero died? Damn, man. I don't think I I could pick out anything in particular that I did. I was just I drank a shot of whiskey out of a skull glass that I drink every time somebody important in the <laughs> entertainment business dies. But you also do that <laughs> on a Tuesday, shot. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I also do that to mark the hour passings as well. Because <laughs> I figure someone in the entertainment business has died. You know, so I'm preempting. He's bases, baby. Yeah, I, I hate to be late, you know, so I'd rather <laughs> do the shotgun approach than snipe it and miss, you know? <laughs> It's it's so weird. Like it's it's hard to avoid uh, some kind of a joke about George Romero dying and being an undead zombie, considering <laughs> he essentially made a uh, that entire genre, which is at this point, unfortunately, I feel like it's a pretty oversaturated market. Absolutely. Thanks to The Walking Dead, lasting forty seasons and not knowing where to go. This they... is a good yin yang. You realize because he spent his life working on the dead, you know, supported by the dead, and now. He's dead, and he's supported, wrapped in the coffin, bought by his life. Are you saying it's an extravagant palace of the coffin? <laughs> it's a yin yang. <laughs> <laughs> he's I'm not sure how it's any different than us. <laughs> he's got a whole mausoleum to himself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Just put me in a modest mausoleum, okay? You know, I only want seven, seven rooms, seven rooms, two yeah. two full baths, one powder room. We we don't need anything <laughs> crazy, okay? We just just. Just give us give us those things and we'll be fine. And by the way, I want the uh, scenes, and I'm talking about each individual cell from the film carved on the walls uh, <laughs> around the mausoleum. So. If you run through fast enough, you can watch the movie. Yeah, right. <laughs> and he's got his name. You got to get like... a Beauty and the Beast ladder where somebody pushes you along the tracks. <laughs> watch as you go through. <laughs> He's like that Ghost Hunters guy. He's got that fucking. He's got George Romero, just like what's that guy? Fucking Zach, so and so. Zach Bagans. Yeah. 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 He's like, hey, look at me. This is my life. (laughs) And all my clothes are haunted now. (laughs) 
Nobody's even pushing me on the ladder. It's my clothes. <laughs> my haunted left sock. I lost the other one. But it's it's haunted still enough to move the ladder. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I bought these haunted Wait, I missed that part. Rewind, and I have to push the ladder to the other direction. <laughs> I'm getting tired of pushing this damn ladder. <laughs> How long is this movie? It's two hours long if you keep it to speed. <laughs> Stop slowing down. That all depends upon you, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you guys ever meet George Romero at any of your monster manias? No. Wish, dude. Uh, yeah. No. I think we started going too late. We only just started doing that about maybe four years ago. Was it mm. three three years ago? No, no, it's it's. I would just. I was going to err on the on the long side. I think yeah, four years ago or so, because it was when uh, whenever you met Brian Johnson, it was the following year that we started going. Yeah, Shannon, Shannon Elizabeth, and, and all them. Oh right, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I just popped by for like a couple hours because it's like on my way back from work um, mm -hmm. out in Hunt Valley. So then after that, I was like, oh, we got to go to this thing. Like, so I set up for the next year, and it has not disappointed. Yet. Greatest it's suggestion you've ever made. <laughs> it's only gotten better. No, oh my God, every year and every year we go in thinking like, there's no way. I'm not even. I'm. I'm just gonna pretend like nothing's gonna happen because there's no way we can top last year. <laughs> and every year it happens. And, and and every year it goes up and up and up. Yep. So it's incredible. The last episode of you guys' podcast I listened to was the one right before it was supposed to happen, and coronavirus is going on. You said they still are saying they're open, so we're gonna go. Did you guys end up going, or did it get canceled? It got canceled the uh, that night. Damn. Before yeah. we even yeah 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 before we even got uh, once we finished the show, I was sitting there starting to cut stuff together, and the notification came across the phone that they canceled it. Yeah. That sucks. I would love to go to one of those then, like whenever they fire back up. You'll have to let me know when it happens, and I'll pop oh, up yeah. there too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, dude. The uh, I'm actually concerned that this October one is going to get uh, the October one is like our our go to one for the Hunt Valley. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we go all weekend for that one. Yeah, because it's just so close. It's only like 30 minute drives. Mm -hmm. Um. So, we, but this this particular year, I think they just canceled their August show. So I don't think october is going to happen Ooh. it is scheduled for late october so that it right. may be depending on what's happening maybe they'll fire it up but the problem is that if without having a confirmation they can't get all their guests situated so i feel like it's not going to be able to be to happen if they can't right. line their guests up you know yeah. they are good at getting them in a pinch though they they like with keith david we met him because yeah, he somebody dropped out and he yeah. came in that weekend he was like i'll do it yeah, one of the guys from uh, what from uh, Final F uh, no, yeah Final Fantasy Final Destination <laughs> Cloud, <laughs> right? Wasn't that yeah yeah? Wasn't that who was supposed to be somebody from Final Destination was supposed uh, to be there? And they canceled? Yeah, it was supposed to be. For, they were having some kind of reunion thing, like with Scream people, or maybe yeah something like that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. It was yeah because Matt Lillard was there. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. Oh yeah. man, Matt Lillard was there. I'd love to meet that guy. He seems like fun. Matt Matt Lillard got Matt drunk. Really? Yeah, I got I got yeah. drunk with him at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's fucking awesome. That's what we're saying. It I never didn't even expect point. to. He just he just popped in, and I was just having to be with some people that he knew, and he was like, who just pulled me into their their conversation. Yeah. And then he just came over, and we we all started talking, and he just was buying it. He bought me like. Two two rounds of drinks and I was like, oh, getting wasted, dude. I was already drunk when I got there, and then I was drinking more. I was drinking shots with the with his friends, and then he came in. And he's like buying us rounds and 
doing his fucking scoop or um shaggy voice and shit. Yeah, I was gonna yeah, say was... you got drunk with Shaggy. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was he was super nice though. Very cool. Like he's very down there. Everybody who at those conventions are pretty much everybody, unless except for Billy Zane. Yeah, Billy Zane. <laughs> Billy, Zane <laughs> Billy Zane has a haunted wardrobe and he has pictures of himself all in his house. <laughs> he just jerks off to his own photograph. Yep, that's it. It's, it's all he's crying in all of the pictures. Yeah, it's, it's just about polishing his head like jerking off. <laughs> When I was yeah, a little kid, does. I was I was really into the Critters movies, and I think it's the first or the second one is his first film, or one of his earliest mm-hmm. films. Oh, yeah. It yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. I, I fucking love those movies. And then, like, the fourth one is Leonardo DiCaprio's first film. Those movies were yep. iconic, even though they were, like, the worst movies ever made. They were... Yep. <laughs> I love those fucking movies. <laughs> They're the springboard for all famous people. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. It goes, I love those as a kid too. It goes Critters, Titanic. Like that's the jump. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. Critters, Titanic, like, the hey, mummy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you ready to start your career off in the best way possible? Kick these little fucking furry monsters around, okay? <laughs> Angry hedgehogs. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's how you deal with them sometimes. You just kick them around. Suter, do you have anything you want to add about this movie or not so much? Well, I uh I I certainly enjoyed it. The the zombie genre for me, uh I I tend to I'll watch it, but I don't pick it up as much because I it's usually the same trope of people making dumb decisions and that's why everyone dies. And for me, it it's too infuriating. So I tend to stick to um well, Hellraiser is my favorite horror movie. Um, the idea of of this sort of parallel dimension, where um, human experience is sort of flipped on its head. I enjoy that more uh, cerebral idea ideal of 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 how you you know go through the concept of horror. So when it comes to zombie movies, like I said, it's usually either somebody got bit and they're not telling anybody, or they're too slow or making stupid emotional decisions, and that's why they end up getting killed. So uh, when it comes to uh, zombie movies, there's got to be some additional factor, and I would certainly say that this movie does not uh, disappoint when it comes to that. As I said, the doctor was definitely a highlight, especially when he's trying to get his food. Excuse me, you know, and he's <laughs> like, "I want to know what you're doing," and I yeah. said I was hungry. <laughs> I don't think yeah. you're listening. <laughs> it reminds me of Robert De Niro to analyze that when uh, when when he comes down and asks for coffee. Coffee? Somebody says I'm about coffee? Oh yeah, that was you. So what's the hold up? You know, that's, that's, it's all about it. All about it. Yeah. But those that's uh that's really the the highlight of the film for me. I, I enjoyed the um progression of it. I've certainly seen some terrible, terrible films, not to mention any Soul Survivor. Uh that uh <laughs> that I over the years of watching horror movies, um I'm sorry, Elijah Dusku, but it's it's true. Uh but uh, it I think that the zombie films, like I said, they need to have that extra layer. And luckily, uh, we had the, the good doctor uh, in in uh, place there. I could have done without some of the laughing. I think that that was just sort of um, like writing yes, or like writing and over and over again, or being um, masturbatory with your with your speech when it comes to writing a paper. When you have a word, you know, you have to do a thousand words or whatever like that. So you just add all of these unnecessary. Uh, filler words in there. I think that uh, the laughter could have been cut back a little bit, but uh, you're talking well, about wrinkles. Yeah. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I think that that Bob ended up uh, saving the show. So yeah. 
you know, it, it all comes out in the wash. That's what they say. Yeah, I feel like if I had to explain this movie to someone who like doesn't really like zombie movies, I'm like, okay, now listen. This is going to sound dumb, but it's really good. They teach a zombie yeah. how to shoot guns and listen to cassette tapes. Everyone be like, you're a fucking idiot. Why do you think this is a good movie? This is not a good movie. But like they execute it pretty well, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I was definitely uh, definitely on board on board for that particular adventure. I got to give kudos to um, uh, George Romero for I, being a kind of risky in this one. Like I was saying, like I didn't like it the first time I watched it, but I liked it this time. And I think it, when you're when you're watching the other films, you're really in, enmeshed in those characters having to deal with this emergent situation. But then having to to repeat that again in a third installment would be just sort of like redundant so he takes this whole different angle direction so you got to give him that points for being creative and like distinguishing this film from his other previous films quite a bit i mean you have the same through line of being zombies and it being like you know the world is crumbling but you're getting you're getting more of that like well how about this angle that maybe you're not seeing from the others you know the other films you wouldn't see this you know doctor trying to make this zombie a a pet or whatever the fuck he was yeah, doing with right. it. domesticate him yeah because it's sort of answering questions that you might have had in the previous films like well how would they get out of this like what what would life be like and what's our solution for it and then it's it's actually pretty abysmal because it's like guess what there are no solutions our crazy uh their only person with any hope is a quack and he's fucking talking to his to himself on his cassette tapes and you know <laughs> playing with the undead heads and shit yeah, and don't tell me he didn't take the teeth out and fuck that head. At least one of them. <laughs> it had to have happened to at least one of them. Exactly. You gotta try it at least. It's science. You, know, you can't leave a stone unturned. You don't get that much I blood am... on your lab coat without at least trying that once. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy, too, that I felt like this was a smart move, um, that there wasn't some kind of, like, attempted rape scene. I was, when I was watching yeah. the movie, I was thinking, like, they're, mm. they're going to try to rape this one girl who's mm. the only girl left alive in humanity. But... Miss Cleo, she got it. She got him on the island, man. I don't need to rape them when they want to come. I see it in your cards, baby. <laughs> I read the cards. Your boyfriend's going to kill himself, and I'm going to get you all to myself. So, um, contrary to what you just said, which is a good, uh, like, that is probably the best idea they had was not to include anything like that. Have you guys mm -hmm. seen the remake that came out? I believe it was last year in 19. No, no. I, I, yeah, I was very hesitant to watch that. It's, it's yeah, I uh, seen it. a not good, bad, bad, bad movie. But um, mm -hmm. it's, I think the Asylum makes it. You know the Asylum movies. I'm sure you're familiar how, how yeah. fucking bad those movies are. So the Asylum well, yeah, yeah. made it, and um, they instead of having Bub the trained zombie, it was Sarah's stalker in life became a zombie but didn't give up on being a stalker so the whole mm -hmm. movie is this stalker zombie breaks into their compound or whatever and is still trying to pursue her even after he dies so the kind of the whole premise is the zombie is trying to rape her is the whole movie as opposed to this one Romeo and Juliet that's 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 a little on the fucking nose I would say yeah. Just... <laughs> A stalker, a stalker becomes an undead, uh, one-track-minded thing. I mean, yeah. isn't that just so? It's barely an allegory at that point because it's not. There's no nuance to it whatsoever. <laughs> it's, a fucking, it's a fucking direct carryover. It's, it's like so a picketing sign that you're being beat to death with. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like what the f- what, what genius had that fucking idea? Yeah. And, like the God. way the way it broke into their compound was it like climbed underneath the truck and hung onto the bottom of the truck and it came in and it like rolled out of sight and it just like was acting like some Tom Cruise espionage shit. But all the other zombies are <laughs> yep. totally brainless. Precision. <laughs> he's just chasing after the girl, and she's like, "I can't believe he's still after me." It's like he he shouldn't be. This is a bad movie. Did you know this? <laughs> what the? That's 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 so fucked because that's insinuating that that zombie has some kind of a higher function, and he's he, he the deepest darkest part of his mind is to stalk a woman. That's instead of it being like, oh hey, remember music? Oh yeah, that's cool. Remember <laughs> remember how to use basic tools? All right, that's bub. This is this guy is like, guess what? The most reptilian part of my brain is that I'm trying to. Fuck you, and you, and you're Remember not violent misdemeanors. The <laughs> so misdemeanors are part of my DNA. <laughs> I can't escape it. <laughs> Criminal for life and out of life too. Yeah. <laughs> He's serving an eternal sentence as a fucking stalker. <laughs> yep, that's it. <laughs> it's so fucked up. Hope is that. Yeah, Here's your sign. You've arrived. You know. <laughs> It's one of those movies where they like put a filter over the whole movie and it's just the same no matter what room they're in. Like the top is uh-huh. darker than the middle, which is like bright the brightest part, and then like there's like a weird shine to the ground everywhere that they move the camera. It's a bad movie. It's it's quintessential oh. asylum film. Oh uh, yeah. How do they how do they stay in business when all their stuff is such garbage? Dude, they have a whole they steal all the money now. from the mentally ill. That's where they got their name from. <laughs> <laughs> Off the backs of the mentally disabled okay well when when i was a kid and we would go to blockbuster and rent movies i was able to pick out the asylum movies because it was whatever cover had orange and black are the main colors on the cover mm-hmm. and the reason i would pick them out is there was a 100 percent guaranteed chance you'd see a tit there's just like yep. guarantee there's uh, going to yeah. be at least one boob in these movies. So we would go to Blockbuster, a religious company, and mm-hmm. <laughs> pick out all of the asylum films every weekend. And I'd be like, I like bad movies because they're funny. But really, I was just like waiting to put something in the bank, you know? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's, a, that's what's keeping them afloat. That's their company policy. It's a motto on the front, right on their front door. It says, at least one tit. <laughs> <laughs> no, at least there's one tit is what it says. <laughs> at least there's one tit. All right. Remember, people, well, let's make this movie. Let's make it look awful. Let's give it a terrible storyline, but put at least one tit in there. Remember our mission statement. It is on the front. It is emblazed upon the doorway when you come onto the lot. At least there is one tit. All right, t- team, huddle up, team. Everybody, on three. One, two, three. At least one tit. At least one tit. Great. Yep, that's it. Now go out there and make the worst fucking piece of trash movie you can ever conceive of. Go out and leave the lens cap on for three scenes. <laughs> Just not the tit scene. Tell them it's a night scene. They're like, and this, this is actually a really great storyline where this this guy, he does this thing you would never expect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get to the tits part. What kind of tits we got in this one? Which guy has the tits? <laughs> These storylines don't pay the bills, baby. These man titties do. <laughs> And women titties. It don't matter. We didn't specify on our motto or our what logo. What we learned is that when it's out of focus and you zoom in real tight, <laughs> you can't tell the difference. An areola is an areola, whether uh, it's man. There's no discrimination when you don't have any focus. You, <laughs> you have no idea what's going on. This is filmmaking 101, okay? You need to get go back to school. Go back to school if you don't know the tit shot.
I did not graduate from NYU for you to give me a bunch of shit about hell. <laughs> I'm a oh, I don't know goddamn how professional. <laughs> <laughs> and you said he's a stalker that's also a zombie? Shut up! <laughs> Put the tits on screen right now, or you're about to be on the street looking for a, a job that's probably better than this one. But yeah, you'll well, still be unemployed. But good luck. Good luck finding a tit anywhere else in Howie. <laughs> you know what's crazy what though what, what i find most frustrating about that movie is not the bad plot not the low budget not the poor camera work but there is not a single pair of tits in the movie nothing it's what? zero None. they broke the cardinal rule they did that is the cardinal rule you have to have something even if it's in a flashback they have He's you know? a stalker and never even got to see the tits there's like the the main girl walks love, around in her panties at one see. point but that's I, that's uh, I would love to see a zombie movie where they they go through the whole movie not a single tit. But there's one there's one scene where they find this guy who used to be a janitor at the school, and he accidentally walked into the wrong bathroom to clean it. Right? It's just him walking and going, Oop, and then that's it. That's it. Nothing to do with the movie. They're just checking the boxes. That's what I want to see. Oh my god! I'm sure that movie exists, though, man. <laughs> like it's got to be. I'm pretty out sure there. it does too. That's the beautiful thing about the internet. At least somebody's got it out there. And uh, whether it's it's uh, shat, uh, yeah, yeah, whether they shoot it in panoramic or whether they shoot it on their iPhone, uh, we've we've got it in existence somewhere on the internet. <laughs> well, fellas, I have one more topic to talk about real quick, and then we'll wrap this All up. Right. Um, Miguel, the guy who gets his arm chopped off, mm -hmm. do you think he sacrificed himself for the greater good or he was being a total dickhead at the end? Okay. So I have a, this is where my issue with the movie actually comes in. I, I, I felt, okay. At the end, I was like, I felt like he, this is my take on to answer your question. Like i I felt like he kind of cracked and he felt like he didn't really care. And he also hated everybody else around him because they were constantly putting him down even his girlfriend made him feel like she he was less than her and he resented the shit out of it so i think he went to like he wanted to die and he wanted to take everyone down with him what i have a problem with is that nobody went back to check on one arm bandit over there and <laughs> yeah and they don't fight they left everyone else when they went on that fucking helicopter to jamaican cruise vacation with fucking miss cleo they didn't even cruise, look, baby they didn't look back even for a second they didn't circle back they didn't even <laughs> they didn't even know that the zombies were coming down in the elevator they they weren't even in there for that point part they were only in the mine shaft and they just left so yeah. what, what did they think that they were doing like they had no there was no honor in what they did at all no and i i was also thinking of it from his point of view the last thing he knew was he had his arm chopped off he woke up no one was around so he was like fuck all these people and he went like went to kill everybody <laughs> like it felt like a homicidal move this time around the first time yeah. I, the first time i watched it i thought he was being all noble and like sacrificing himself and shit but he had no idea like he literally was just yeah. murdering everybody <laughs> Yeah, he had he had no clue what, what what just went down. He didn't he had no clue about what transpired in the um with the one uh, what's his name forgettable scientist who got shot in the head. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he didn't know that his girlfriend got thrown off into the pit of death, or that the you know Irish Scottish man was wielding a shovel barking at people. He had no clue about any of these. Any of these no people. clue with the hand of the Baskervilles right behind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
whole time right there. So yeah, those those motivations, I guess, were were selfish, or I, I'm not sure how they could be selfless. It's very strange, like what hit the motivation for what he did. Yeah, I don't. When I was a kid, I just felt like he was aware and that he was doing it for the greater good. But it does not feel like it this last time around in my twenties. Yeah, I think that was your childhood optimism coloring the whole circumstance. Yes, that reality didn't turn out so hot for this guy. He was not not uh, operating again. I go back to uh, you know press conferences. So it's it's all about how you <laughs> you know how you do what you got to do. Uh, according to your emotions that are driving everything into hell, you know, it applies. It really is. It's, it's, it's all across the board. You know, you just made me think of something I never thought I would want to see on TV, but I want to <laughs> see somebody sneeze on Trump's arm and I want to see Fauci di like dismember him <laughs> on live TV during the thing. Don't worry. I got this. I got it. And like he just a, like, he pulls up fucking like a mortal combat, like, like a uh, uh, special combo. <laughs> <laughs> That would be the shit right there. Oh my god! He, he keeps a meat cleaver in his back pocket, <laughs> just in case I have to do any amputations. Yep. This comes right down on the pulpit there. The right. Secret Service dog piles on the on the guy who sneezed, and then they yeah. all have to get shot because they got corona now too. <laughs> no, don't touch him! <laughs> so then, and then Fauci gives the rest of the, the interview talking about how we did a good job here today. We stopped the, the mitigation. And this is why people, mitigated. you have to stay inside, okay? Don't sneeze on each other. <laughs> just stay at home. I've been telling you, it's part of the rules. Stay at home. I, I just mitigated the virus for our president, okay? That's why he's only got one arm now. Yeah. <laughs> one arm president. And then he'll go up to the, to the surface and he'll sacrifice himself <laughs> and bring all the corona down to the rest of us. That's it. Somebody's got to do it. As long as there's just one quarantity, at least one. That's, That's all right. we ask for. I mean, it, uh, how, how are there not more? <laughs> That's a good question. How are there not more? This is this is the question that you need to be asking. I mean, you know, the, the thing is, especially when it comes to horror movies, uh, a lot of the good stuff or the point that it's most prevalent, you're sitting in the 80s there, okay? The 1980s were prime time for making movies, terrible horror movies. They're all out there. Um, and then you have the gem every once in a while. But again, the constant is the horror titty. It's scared quivering a little bit in the moonlight whatever it may be <laughs> maybe a man <laughs> maybe a man's listen we don't we don't need to apply genders because it's not the 1980s anymore we don't need to put people in those boxes you know that's what it's all about so so basically what it is is that you get to that point you have that beautiful little moment and then you go on but nowadays people try and you know you can't catch lightning in a bottle and that's what they're trying to do with a lot of this stuff. You know, they go through the nineties was a wonderful time for ironic, terrible horror movies. It was also a terrible time for horror movies. And so uh, a lot of you know a lot of challenges when it comes to that sort of thing. But you can't you can't do it again. You have to experience the beauty of the horror movie in the time and place that it is, because it has so much to give you. All you have to do is open up, you know. Just your heart, the right, right underneath of that titty that you want to let that horror into, and you want it to come into you and really take hold and and make a, a make a beautiful laughter uh, from from the inside of your brain there. And your what breasts. it's all about. 
<laughs> so your criticism then at the end was that there wasn't enough titties at the end? <laughs> there wasn't, yeah. This needed to be just a short compilation of flashing, you know, because they don't have them anymore. It's not as good. It's not, it's not the same as it once was. I remember the first time I saw Trading Places on a VHS cassette, and I could not believe it was taped off of television, but yet there's a titty right there. You know why? It was the year 1983 when this was – or whatever, whenever the damn movie came out on, on uh, the TV. Uh, but uh, the, the idea was that it's there. It's on the, it's on the regular television. Have at it. This is an integral part of the story, obviously. And if you watch movies such as Stripped to Kill, available with an Amazon Prime subscription, uh, or uh, any number of terrible, terrible 80s movies, you still have that one crucial feature and that is the quivering moonlit r titty well on um, that I, note <laughs> I, I rest my case your honor <laughs> yana <laughs> jesus christ well gentlemen thank you so much for doing this podcast with me this was so much fun yeah uh, that was awesome man yeah, thank you for having us it absolutely is, it is my pleasure is there anything you guys want to plug before we wrap it up Mm, and not not as not as active with our normal stuff so we don't have any shows yeah. or anything that we can really talk about right now um you can if you you know want to subject yourself to uh, annoying uh, yeah <laughs> my annoying interjections of bullshit speculations and and random garbage you can listen to our crappy show there you go and what's we, your show we called we've really come to the self-awareness uh, that that this show is essentially just for us because we both have worsening memories, mine far worse than Matt's. But uh, you know, and this is a way for us to look back and say, "Oh yeah, that's right. That's what we did." You know, if we say, "When was the last time that we did this thing or saw this person?" Hold on, let me listen to the show, figure out you know what it is. It's uh, it's sort of a living uh, record there. But uh, yeah, the kickstart with Matt and Matt is the name of our show. It's available wherever podcasts are sold. Uh, it, or sold, you know. Wait, I, wait, I, paid. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, you said what? That's money. <laughs> I yeah, think but, uh, yeah, we've we've been doing this for a very very long time. Uh, it's all it's all thanks to uh, New Jersey Radio. As a matter of fact, we were going to be uh, on a New Brunswick radio station, and we recorded three episodes to do as sort of a. Uh, 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 what do you call it? An audition tape, I suppose. Yeah, uh, we, weren't, we weren't asked though. I thought I, were, I thought we were just auditioning for it. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. It's been right. so long since I I don't really even long time ago. And it's just sort of followed us through. There's some episodes that have disappeared. We unfortunately won't ever ha be able to listen to again. But a great deal of them are available, and and uh, and we continue. Uh, um, you know, usually come hell or high water, as long as there's electricity, we we end up finding a way to uh, do a show on Tuesdays. So. They usually right. go up either Tuesday night or Wednesday. This pandemic ain't stopping shit. Nope, we got a mission to do absolutely nothing. My whole point of doing the show is just a self-aggrandizement. I got yeah. pictures of myself all up in my house. I'm, I got haunted <laughs> clothes. I, got, <laughs> I want everyone to remember I got a gift shop with my face on everything. It's in my house. <laughs> but I have visitors. I want them to shop in it. <laughs> and here's a picture of me. Remember that time that you were here with me in my house? At the gift shop, you have like it, like when you get off the ride to Disneyland where there's a little TV outside of like your your like right outside your front door where it has pictures of them doing different things with you like you're going down Splash Mountain. You 
That's right. We have well, we can put it on a mug or a keychain, whichever you want. We're, we're on eight by tens. <laughs> well, I think you guys are selling yourself short if you think your show is just for you guys because I've been listening to it. I think you guys are fucking hilarious. Uh, that's why I invited you on, not because I like your good looks, but because I think you guys are fucking hilarious, and I I can't thank you can't much. thank you guys enough. <laughs> um, well, it was our pleasure. Yes, thank yeah, you thanks, so much, man. Absolutely. Uh, I want to say thank you to the band The Jazz June for the use of our theme song Viva La Speed Metal off of the album The Medicine. They are a great band. They play a lot of really good music, and they got me through some hard times. I also want to thank The Fat Rat for the use of the song Unity, which ends every episode and brings us into the ad spots. You can find that bouncy EDM music on uh, basically anywhere, but YouTube is where I found them. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, you can type in discdumppod at gmail.com. That's D-I-S-C-D-U-M-P-P-O-D at gmail.com. Don't forget the little PP in there. It's important. On That's right. <laughs> On Twitter, you can find me at the Disc Dump. On Instagram, you can find me at Disc Dump Podcast. Again, the PP. Uh, on Facebook, you can f- join the page, or you can join the group, the Disc Dump Podcast Fans. It's a great place to see all of the promotional materials and join any fun discussions that are happening there. So, uh, without further ado, that's not what I want to say at all. Um, so, thank you all for. <laughs> no, sorry, that's how we. End. That's how we end our shows too. Thank God this is over. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I have a, a stupid sign off that I'm probably going to stop doing here soon, but we got to do it this way. At least since there's three of us, it's going to be real weird. So what I say mm-hmm. is, I say, don't forget to, and then I just come up with a completely random sentence. And then the guest says, and, and they come up with a completely random sentence. But now since mm-hmm. there's three of us, I guess we're going to have two ants. So, oh, yeah. So it's um, improper English, but I don't care. Yeah, I don't. I mean, they're complete sentences on all of them. So whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, how about we have an and and then a but. So uh, I'll say don't forget oh, to blank. Okay. And then uh, we'll say, Suter, you say and, and then you say something. And then mm-hmm. other Matt you're going to say, but, and then say something. Sound good? Ah, I got it. Okay. Down. Let's do it. All right. Don't forget to shoot them in the head. And make sure that you call your health care provider <laughs> to check that you're covered by insurance. <laughs> <laughs> but if you have haunted clothes, don't come in this building at all. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, everybody. Have a good one. <laughs> See ya. See ya. Ah, hell. I forgot the premise of my own show again. Let me call them back. I call it the decluttering my house podcast kind of thing. So Yeah, it's more I think it's more like and from the um the fanatics and stuff that you'll be kind of reaching out towards mm-hmm. to, those people are like like you and us like they've accumulated stuff and then at a certain point they all I think come to that moment where they're like do I keep this thing or don't I keep this thing? You know. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, that poses the question. What do you guys think? Should I keep this disc or should I dump it? Oh, definitely keep this. This is classic, dude. I had I had a full turnaround on how I felt about it. Um, not that I hated it, but I was like, man, I, I should have gave this movie more respect back when I first watched it. So this is, like, yep. firmly going into my, like, you know, dead trilogy, dead um, 
uh, series of films. I think it's I think it's probably the last strong movie that he did. I didn't like Land of the Dead. That one yeah. you can dump. <laughs> yeah, that one was a little rough. <laughs> <laughs> but this one, this this is I, I think it fits it, in its own space very well. Yeah, I think yeah, so too. Yeah, it's like I think uh, it's the picture that you put in the you know family photo album. This is a terrible shot that you took. All right. But it captures a time and place, you know, it sort of sets you into this sort of world uh, and, and in that in that period in the 80s when that movie was made, that it, it really, really does illustrate, you know, this is, this is it right here. This is where we're at. Crazy, crazy dudes and bub. That's it. <laughs> would you keep it, Suter? <laughs> I'd keep it. I would definitely, I might take it out of the box and maybe put it in one of those big uh, disc binders, but I'd still keep it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trash the box, but definitely lose the movie. <laughs> It's funny because I got this out of one of those disc binders. <laughs> there you go, buddy. That's it. <laughs> awesome. So there we have it. We're going to keep the disc. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.